Welcome everyone, we're about to begin Be'ezus Hashem, BPM number 20, that's Bias Panimi Shear for Men number 20. We will talk now about how men and women are different in their view and their relationship to physical sexual intimacy. Generally speaking, men naturally tend to relate to intimacy, not as intimacy, but as the simple act of Bia, the sexual intercourse itself, which they're pretty much... If they're biologically healthy, they're ready for it within seconds. All a man needs in general is a bit of visual stimulation, sometimes imagination-induced stimulation, and most immediately he reaches uh, erection and can carry out the act of Bia. Once involved in the act, he can theoretically get to a point of ejaculation where the Zera comes out within a few seconds, and once ejaculating and it releases from his body within a few seconds, and the entire process is over and done in less than a minute. And this is the concept that, you know, you look in Saita, Daftalad Amin Aleph, where he talks about the sheer stira, Kedebiya, meaning the amount of time to be secluded in, you know, Benegedadine or Saita, where it's possible to do physical intercourse, sexual intercourse, is a pretty very short time for that reason, like we just described. Women in general, on the other hand, are extremely different than a man in this regard. Extremely different. This is something that us men need to learn and understand and develop in what it is. It takes, generally speaking, a woman a much longer time to reach sexual arousal. And even once she is in a state of that arousal, it takes her a long time to reach that point of release, which is known as orgasm. And once she experiences orgasm, the peak of pleasure can carry on for quite a long period of time, or multiple bursts of orgasm that come in waves. And it's totally different than a man's experience of his orgasm. And even after she completes her entire orgasm experience, she could feel further closeness that she strives for, further affection, to bring out the whole experience and to bring her back down to this plateau, which is an interesting concept that men need to understand with women, that even if you satisfied her sexually with orgasm or whatever else that she feels, even if they, she doesn't reach orgasm, but the, the, the sexual satisfaction that she receives, and even if it's to her fullest satisfaction, she still yearns and craves that physical, emotional closeness afterwards of holding till she gets settles down is extremely important and healthy for her. And so it's totally different. Her experience is much more complex, much more involved, much more sophisticated than a man's. So if a man, a husband, does not make a deliberate effort to try his best to control his urge to calibrate himself, to meet her needs, then it's very hard, most are very unlikely to be Mekayim, the mitzvah's aina, properly with her. Which means that it demands an investment of time and effort and energy. Which means also that especially in the beginning of a marriage, or currently now, even if you're in years after in married already, or even decades married already, and you want to improve in this area, 
it takes time, effort, and energy to start focusing on that aspect of it, to understand how a woman's sexuality is totally different, and to learn how to accommodate. And this helps you grow. This helps you grow as a person. Number one, the emotional component. The emotional component that you have to invest in her, like we said in previous shiurim, the emotional, spiritual connection. You need to give her, otherwise she'll feel frustrated or unfulfilled or hurt or even betrayed. And you need to develop that emotional component that allows you to grow with her. And even in the physical component, to learn the controlling of it, to develop your midas of caring within the physical aina, the patience within the physical aina, the self-control within the physical aina. Because the concept of marriage is to get people to grow. Sometimes a, a man is an anus. The Azara needs to be released right away um, because he is fully stimulated by it. And it takes a while to train yourself and get used to being able to hold out for a longer period of time. Now, ideally, if, you know, the Ligris Moshe talks about this a lot, I think as Shiloh was asked once, where uh, a younger man basically said that he has difficulty with the Chibak and Nishuk before before the B, I mean the, the foreplay, that as soon as he starts interacting in the foreplay way, he immediately gets an erection and needs to release that zera, and there's and 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 he feels bad about it because he sometimes needs to needs to release before he actually can can do anything because the foreplay itself is 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 extremely stimulating for him. So over there, Ramosha suggests, and he needs to explain this to his wife. That that sometimes, especially initially when he's not used to it, that she should understand this and try to accommodate to see that the foreplay is shut cut uh, cut short because of his need to release. Allow her him to release in her in the normal form of sexual intercourse and do a lot of those things that were supposed to be in the foreplay. Do it afterwards. Uh, then you do that chibuk and nishuk and that foreplay after the initial sexual act. And then usually after a few minutes or 20 minutes or whatever it is, sometimes there's another buildup and he could, he could again release a second time. So then you'll have that chibik and before that second time. So that's one eitzah to go about it. But over time, there is a way to try to control yourself, hold yourself back, figure out ways to do that for the purpose of getting acclimated and allowing to give to your wife more in that foreplay before you need to release and to give her the emotional connection and that physical stimulation that is needed before the actual sexual intercourse. But before we go further, we're going to discuss the concepts of love versus lust and what is the two, and not to confuse the two. So in order to understand this, one needs to understand that aina and the sexual intimacy of a husband and wife does involve a lot of heavy taiva and a tremendous amount of physical pleasure in healthy human beings. And Hashem made it that way. And many people, unfortunately, have this terrible misconception in their heads that the taiva is bad, that the physical pleasure is bad, and therefore, it's important now to discuss that, to remove that mistaken notion from people's thoughts and minds. 
We talked a lot about the outside culture, of the misuse of the sexual urge, of the Midas Hayesoid being damaged. But within marriage, in marriage intimacy, it is not a necessary evil. It is not something that is tame, of which we have no choice other than to do because nebuch, nebuch, we have the mitzvah pruvu or einen, there's no way to get around it, so it's a bidiyeved. It's not tame. It's actually the most kaddish thing in the world. It's the unification between a husband and a wife, which is literally kaddish hakadoshim, and brings down the presence of the shechina into their home. And there are also sources that marital intimacy is not supposed to be done in a very serious manner or solemn manner. On the opposite is true. It needs to be done with a maximum amount of joy, a maximum amount of pleasure, a maximum amount of passion and simcha. We mentioned in the Chazayinish's letter, and we had Rabbi Freelander's countries explaining it, that he uses the word kalos as a good thing. Kalos roish is a negative thing and a terrible thing. Kalos, without the word roish, kalos plain, is a good thing. Kalos roish means actual frivolousness, where you're already indulging in nivel peh, and you're being coarse, and you're being vulgar. That's kalos roish. The horrid sexual jokes and, 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 and using... Um, some of the expressions that the that the non-Jews use in a very vulgar way. That is Osir Gomer. That's Kalos Reish, and it, it's very demeaning. But Kalos is healthy. Kalos means a certain lightness, a funness, a playing, a flirting even, or even of a teasing in a sexual nature, in a healthy way, one another, enticing one another that way, and, 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 and with a simcha, and with a, a, with a, a, without inhibition, with just enjoying each other, laughing with one another in a healthy way of enjoying each other's company, with a passion, with a pleasure, that is very, very healthy and good. The Rambam in Hilchus Isha's Perak Tesvav, says so, that a couple needs to come to intimacy through a mutual desire and joy. We have the Gemara Brachis, where Rav and other Tanoim laughed, laughed and so on, and and, and, and Rashi explains that it was to arouse desire. The Gemara makes it clear that this level of passion is very important. And, 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 and the Gemara even praises that, that when you have it like a, like a chasen who's just starting, it is a maila, it is not a chasaren. It is a good thing, not a negative thing for a man, even, even if he ends up being in his 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, just like a and Avaidis Hashem in all other areas in life, that he has a, a normal, healthy cheshik to be with his wife, to be intimate with her, and her to him is a very healthy thing. The Gemara in the Durham, Aleph explains that it's mutter technically to talk, even though you're not supposed to talk during intimacy, but if the conversation is limited towards intimacy itself, it is permitted. The rush there in on the blot, because in Nidaram the rush is on the blot. It talks about in order to increase his taiva. The Torah Paskin is this way, the Shulchanarach, Evanazachhei, Sif Bays, look over there as well. As long as it's in a normal way and it's focused on that, it is what they're sort of being similar to being Mafsik 
after the tilsi dying when you need the salt or other things the mitzvah itself and you can't be mafsik for any other purpose now the idea is in the zayar is so important and just as an agav pertaining the zayar that yes for many many aspects of zayar is not for everyone it's deep kabbalah and some feel you should wait till you're 40 before learning it and you have to have a certain state of kedusha all this is ms but many many zayars are simply midrashim in Aramaic, sometimes actually in Hebrew, and many of them are simple yisoides in life, That and there's a big chunk of Zaya that's like that, that's encouraged to read. If you buy the Masik Midrash edition of the Zayar, they have, if he writes it in Rashi lettering, that means it's Kabbalah related. If he writes it in bold, regular, not Rashi writing, that's more Pshat of Zayar. So if you purchase a Masak Midvash, for example, on the Zayar, you could easily see what is, you could learn, and you don't need to know uh, any Kabbalah in depth in order to learn it, and to learn the holy teachings of Hashem Bayechai. And then you know you skip the Kabbalah parts if that's not what you're, what you're into, or that's not your, what you feel you should be learning. But the idea behind it is, is the Zayar brings down in Parshish Kedoshim, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu dwells, where there is one, where a person is considered one, where male and female are together and have a heavenly kedusha, and he and desire says that when you engage in that marriage connection as one male being the husband, the female being the wife, and 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 how it's a mitzvah to be misameach his wife at that time, so they they should both have the same desire for it so that they will achieve equal unity in body and soul. I'm paraphrasing in Russian, in, in English, it's Pasha Kedosh and Daf Pei Aleph. In other words, there's a connection of a soul unity with the body as a sheer desire to carry to, to that physical bond itself, where they both mutually have that cheshik, they unite their soul as one, their body as one, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu dwells in that oneness and Ishchina Ishayu there. The Zayar and Pashas Bereshis similarly says that one engages this Daftat Memtes in Bereshis, that one engages in, engages in marital intimacy with his wife. He needs to speak with her sweet words with her to arouse strong feelings of love and endearment in order that they go both go into it with a mutual desire without any sense of coercion. And that fiery passion of marital intimacy is extremely important. It goes so far to say, and this is in Raya Mehemna, Krach Gimel, Parshas Pinchas, Daf Reish that the Avarim, the limbs of the body, when they're Kedusha, a marital intimacy, a husband and wife, in their fire of their passion, is like the wood of a carbon oila that takes hold of the holy flames of the fire of the Mizbeach. And the Gemara Mesech, the Shabbos, talks about Rav Chizda, that he provided his daughters regarding intim- intimacy um, specific advice and keeping to my word, I'm not going to be that explicit about it, basically, but first uh, arousing in the breast area, and Isamakim a little later, whatever it is, the Rekech brings it down, in Helchish Tshuva, Simen Yedalad, that after the wife is toivel and he needs to gladden her, give her hug her, kiss her, mishasheya, by rubbing and, and, and touching and all forms of embracing to fulfill his desire and her desire, 
not to think Khalil of any other woman other than her, because she is his he she is his wife, and to express endearment and love to her specifically. The Yaivitz, this is in the Siddur, Hanogas Leil Shabbos, Paragvav Aisyud, he writes about the importance also that the Hava Hava Leitia Kimenataiva. It, that's a statement. That love only comes through desire. In other words, passion and desire that they feel for one another is a medium, is a conduit through which they manifest a power of feeling of love for one another. In, in reality, with Pruavu, if a child is conceived with such a passionate oneness, there's a very healthy benefits to that child of that union when that union takes place in, in that in that manner. And in truth, even if a child is not produced, the Aina itself is Bishlamus when that is there. Ahava Lysia Kiim Minataiva. Love only comes through that desire. So Siddur Yaivit says. So it's clearly evident that the intimacy needs to be done with a love with a joy, mutual interest, mutual desire, full fiery passion. All these ingredients are very important for the Shalom Bayis, for the true union, both in the union of Pruvu and the union of Aina both. To be Messiah this year, just to mention, which we mentioned in the main Shurim, but it's important to realize this, this is what the Medrash really means. And in a deeper level, of when the women in the Midbar, or Mitzrayim rather, in the Midbar they brought the mirrors to Moshe to be used for the Mishkan. Moshe originally rejected them. He felt that their usage is is a form of enticing for Avayi Zara. And HaKadosh Baruch who told Moshe, accept these mirrors. They're more precious to me than everything else because it was through them that the women perpetuated children, tzavais of children in Mitzrayim. And based on what we said till now, this medrash has a deeper meaning. First of all, it's clear that even though the purpose was for children, it applies to mitzvahs Aina as well. The bottom line behind it is, to explain it like what we just said over here, to explain the medrash in a deeper way, is that Moshe initially viewed these mirrors as something to be rejected because their usage it facilitates indulgence in desire, and lust for its own sake. And that's what he was worried about. Prostitutes use mirrors as well. So the truth be told is that it's true that lust and desire for its own sake is indeed very negative. And it leads you to terrible, gross physicality things that are very, very unhealthy. And this was what what was Moshe's concern. You can't use mirrors that are a vehicle for that. And Hashem revealed to Moshe this secret that because this is different, yes, prostitutes use mirrors. And yes, bad people use mirrors to incite their taiva in very negative ways. But here, these mirrors were used to bring out an arousal of desire that became a means towards maintaining the very existence of Klal Yisrael, and we said many times, the Pruvu and Aina are two separate mitzvahs of equal importance, and thus the mirrors became objects 
that become worthy of becoming Kli Kaidish of the Migdash. We see from here that passion and desire, if they're used towards the goal of Kedusha and upholding Hashem's mitzvahs, and it's not an end in and of itself, then it is worthwhile, it is meaningful, it fulfills the purpose of creation, and that is precisely the purpose of why HaKadosh Baruch Hu brought this taiva into this world. To the extent was, like the Chazal say in Sanhedrin, when they tried to get rid of the Yetzirah of Aydazara and they were successful, they tried to get rid of the Yetzirah of Arayas and they, they couldn't do that because the world would cease to procreate without it. They would, they would not exist. No one would marry. So the key is here to remember that the harmony of relationship between a husband and a wife, that is the value of the Taira. Sheared pleasure, even physical sexual pleasure between them, that is maintaining and enhancing that relationship is a tremendous mitzvah. Even when not for the sake of bringing children into the world, the intimacy itself is a tremendous mitzvah that needs to be fulfilled with a full love and with full passion. If it's an end and of itself, it becomes a hyper-focus, that's a different story. And that was the inner debate between Moshe Rabbeinu and HaKadosh Baruch Hu pertaining to the mirrors that the women in the Midbar brought to the Mishkan. And Moshe had a valid point, because it is true. Mirrors could be used, or the sexual expression could be used in terrible, negative ways, if that's the hyper-focus only on that, as an end in of itself. And because of that, Chashash Moshe didn't, didn't want to take him. And Hashem says, no, you dafka take them. Over here it's different. These mirrors are, you, the mirror looks the same. You know, it, it, you know, a, a prostitute beautifying herself and a wife beautifying herself in front of mirrors, their acts of doing so seems so similar to one another. Very often in the sexual act, it seems so similar to one each other. To, to each other, but they are different like night and day, has no shaykhis to one another. When a prostitute is beautifying herself in front of a mirror, and when she's in, engaged in a sexual act, it is the most horrible thing in the world. It's an end in, the, in, in, end in and of itself of lust, which is downhill. It's something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu despises because it breaks the whole purpose of that force in humanity, which again we said was three components, physical, emotional, and spiritual. There, Taka, Hashem, equally to Moshe, would hate those mirrors. But these mirrors are different. A wife engaging in the intimate act with passion is a beautiful thing. A wife adorning herself in front of a mirror to enhance her appearance, to be attracted to her husband sexually, is a good thing. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to accept those mirrors. And that's the difference between, uh, you know, those two aspects of it. And we'll continue, Bezaz Hashem, in future shiurim on this subject. Bracha